You can totally do this. You have to pause and ask yourself, what is the story I'm telling myself here? And more importantly, is that story true? We don't want the thing. We think we want the thing, but what we really want is the feeling we think the thing is gonna give us. It is that simple. It is that complicated. It is so much easier than you think it's gonna be. Clarity in what you want, confidence in who you are, and the courage to stay true to both. This is To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox. I'm so happy you're here. (laughs) Okay. Hello, lovely, and welcome back to the show. This is To Call Myself Beloved, the podcast with Lise Wilcox, and I really could not be happier that you're here. I want to share with you a shocking realization I had recently, and I mean, I mean shocking. I was reflecting on the groove and the flow that my family found, that my business found uh, during the last, count them, five months of COVID. Five months. Can you believe that? Uh, I was reflecting and I was like, you know, things are actually going pretty well. Like we really did find this groove. We found this flow, as I say, in our family. And it was so funny. I was like, it's great. I either have time to concentrate solely on my business or I've had time to concentrate solely on my family. You know, when my kids are not with me, I have this incredible amount of focused time just to develop and scale my business, which I've been doing like crazy behind the scenes, just scaling up and scaling up and, and moving content away from platforms that I don't own like Instagram and moving towards platforms that I absolutely own like this podcast and like my website, leesbillcox.com. I'm on Pinterest now and like that's actually being run professionally. So like all the things, all the things are happening and it's amazing. Like what a gift to be able to have that time to concentrate on growing my business. And as I said, when my kids are with me, I've structured my business in such a way that I actually can remove myself from it, let's say 75% so that I can focus almost exclusively on my kids. And it's amazing. Again, what a gift to have that kind of uh, professional life that allows me to structure it in such a way that I can be such an engaged and present mother. But then it hit me that all of my time, like literally all of my time was being spent on nourishing my business and nourishing my family. And I've been such, I've been in such a state of growth mode for really for the last five years, um, specifically in the last two years. I mean, you got to throw cancer and chemo in there too, as I like was growing, 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 and then kind of had to just press pause and do some other behind the scenes stuff. Like you know, write a book. Um, I had to press pause and now I really feel like that momentum has just been going gangbusters. I've had tons of media features, like all kinds of articles on Thrive Global, especially recently. And it's just been, I don't know, it's so cool to watch all your hard work start to pay off and be recognized. So that's really special. But as I said, like I've been in this growth mode of business and I've been in this growth mode of family because my kids are still young. And the realization was like, oh no, oh shit, I don't think I've been focusing any time on myself. My perception had really been that, well, if I'm focusing on my business, that is focusing on myself, right? Because 
technically it is like the better I do in my business, the easier my life gets in flow and ease and freedom to do what we want to do, which is awesome. And when I focus on my family, same thing, my freedom feels like it's even better and things feel like they're aligned and harmonious when my family is functioning really well. The only glitch is that in that equation, I kind of forgot to spend any actual attention on me. And don't get me wrong, like I'm really good about laying low and listening to what my body needs and, you know, getting fresh air when I need it and going for a walk when I need it, all that kind of that kind of stuff. But I really neglected to focus on lease the woman, not least the coach, not least the accidental entrepreneur, not least the mother, not least the friend or relative, like just lease the woman. And this was kind of a slap in the face because you, as you probably already know, I lead by example. I live with intention. And when I talk about self-care, it's really important to me that I'm I'm practicing what I preach. And the realization hit me that I thought I was really investing in myself in a very nourishing, caring way. And it's only been recently that I've shifted my own perspective and consciously started to create time to take better care of me. Now, this episode is, is really called Nothing Will Be Good Enough For You until you are good enough for you. And that was one of the most painful lessons and realizations of my life. And I think it's relatable to so many people because we really are permeated in a culture that tells us to do achieve, do achieve, do achieve. And when we follow that formula, we get success. Like, trust me, I have lived this. When you do more, you achieve more, you have more success. Easy. My clients are so high-functioning and driven, independent, capable women that they follow the same formula and they experience these incredible levels of success. You do achieve, you do achieve, you do achieve. You set a goal, you achieve it. You set another goal, you achieve that too. That feels good. Like It actually feels great, and I'm not knocking that. What we're missing, though, is that when you are simply in that formula or that like formulaic approach to success, that do achieve, do achieve, do achieve, you start to lose sight of why, or you're at the risk of losing sight of why. And if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, you tend to just get focused on the result, you know? So we lose focus on the, the process and we focus only on the outcome. Again, if you've been in a building mode like I have been for the last few years, the outcome is bloody important because it's so sweet to measure your success in dollars. It feels great. And if you have some money mindset stuff that that sentence makes you uncomfortable, that it feels really great to measure your success in money, we can chat because I can help you like remove those money blocks, those limiting beliefs that tell you or that have told you for some time that you're not worthy of having that kind of success. That's something that I had to work through on my own. And once I worked through it, it was like I had, I was like Jasmine in a whole new world. There was like so much more to discover once I realized that um, all I had to do was unlearn that stuff that I'd been taught and relearn new patterns of telling me that I am worthy. And part of what I'm worthy of is absolutely having all the success I've dreamed of and having the dreams I've dreamed of, that's awkward, uh, worthy of that coming true. Basically what I'm saying is like, 
you are worthy of stepping into that vision of yourself that you can't stop thinking about. I've lived it. I practice it. I work at it every day and I coach people on that every day. And it's, it's a real passion, uh, passion project for me anyway. So as I've started to experience that, like metric, that's commensurate with my work and success, it feels amazing. And so the inclination is like, oh, I want more of that feeling. So I'm going to chase the dragon. I'm going to do more. I'm going to achieve more. But as I say, the problem is if you're not careful, if you're not conscious, the achieving becomes the really easy part. It's the feeling that is the more complicated part. You know, I say frequently that we don't want the thing we want the feeling we think the thing is going to give us. So a lot of us, especially when we're, again, high-functioning, high-potential, very driven, independent, capable women, and men for that matter, um, I understand a lot of people are getting their husbands to now listen to this podcast, which is so cool to me. Like, I've never had a male audience before, and like, hey, welcome, bro. Like, happy you're here. Uh, but yeah, this absolutely applies to men, too. We get focused on this one formula of success, and the real problem is that we? it's not necessarily that success that we want. We want a feeling that we're trying to achieve with our success. So here's where that gets sticky. If you're only focused on do, achieve, do, achieve, trust me, no metric will ever be good enough for you, ever. And I mean like ever. Because that model of success becomes a reach. And when I say it becomes a reach, I mean, we still have this emotional void inside. It feels like there's something missing or there's, there's feels, it feels like there's a certain emptiness, which nobody wants to talk about, but a lot of us feel. So when we ignore the pain of that emptiness or we ignore the pain of that void, we keep reaching for more because obviously if I make six figures, that void is going to go away and I'm going to feel better. Well, obviously if I make multiple six figures, trust me, that void is going to go away and I won't feel that level of pain anymore. Okay. I, I, promise, like hand to God, as soon as I hit that seven figure mark, I'm not going to feel this pain anymore. That void is going to be filled. And it's not true because there is no, although the external metrics like cash in hand feels fucking great. It isn't enough to fill that void because the void cannot be filled by something external to you. It has to be filled from within. So when I start to say things like nothing will be good enough for you until you are good enough for you. This is what I'm talking about. Um, as I shared, that was, it was one of the most painful realizations of my life. Because if you haven't heard my origin story podcast episode, you can loop back to that. It's unsurprisingly at the very beginning of the series. Um, but I had this moment where I lived in a seven bedroom century home, like seven bedrooms. This house was spectacular. Uh, my then husband and I did a ton of work and, you know, all the photos, the feedback that I got after we had sold the house, the, the feedback that I'd had was like, oh my gosh, it looked like an artist lived there. Like it was so beautiful. It was so well designed. It was so well composed. It was just it's spectacular bones. Again, it was pretty epic with this, you know, central hall plan, giant staircase, like, I don't know, three or four principal rooms, the sick kitchen. And when I lived there and I had this, you know, perfect looking family from the outside in and this perfect looking life from the outside in, I had that, that stark 
realization of like, how come I don't feel good? And I looked around my beautiful house and I looked at my beautiful family and I was like, oh shit, like, how is this not enough for me? I can see the lake from my front yard, you know, like, how is this not enough for me? And I heard that little intuitive voice speak up in a way I'd never heard her speak up before. And she popped up to tell me, none of this will be good enough for you until you are good enough for you. And I thought I was going to throw up. Like it was such a, as I said, it was a painful realization that it didn't matter how big my house was. It didn't matter how many square feet of Carrera marble I had. It didn't matter that I had like a standalone ice maker so we could have endless parties and entertain with ease with like this constant supply of ice. Like it didn't matter. The sound system didn't matter. The light fixtures didn't matter. The beautiful original art didn't matter. Like none of it mattered because there was a profound loneliness at the core that nothing, nothing I could reach for could fill up. Nothing I could reach for outside of me would heal that. All of that healing, it starts from within. And again, that sucks. Like it does not feel good to feel that kind of pain. It does not feel good to have that kind of realization. And at the very beginning, it's really nerve wracking to start thinking about like, what would it look like to change that? Like, what if it doesn't work? What if I'm always going to feel like this? What the hell is wrong with me? You know, almost all of my clients, as I say, are these very high functioning women who have it all, you know, from the outside looking in, they have it all. And each of them comes to me with um, some variation of the following, which is, I don't know what to do. I'm, you know, usually they're 35 plus, but typically early 40s, even into um, early and mid 50s, you know, bona fide grownups. And they come to me and they're like, I have the family, I have the husband, I have the life I've always wanted. Like, I feel really guilty saying this, but how come this isn't enough for me? You know, how come I don't feel the way I want to feel? And when you get to that moment, that's when you know it's time. Like, it's time to do the real work because everything else you've been reaching for, suddenly it's become very clear and apparent it's not going to work anymore. And again, it's not going to work anymore because nothing will ever be good enough for you until you are good enough for you. So then it's a matter of, bringing it back to this very basic, hands-on, simple, simple, simple approach to figuring out, okay, now that you've had the realization that reaching outside of you is not enough, now it's time to start reaching inside and cultivating this legit and lasting inner peace that confirms for you that you are, in fact, enough. Again, I've shared before, I shared in my book that's coming out in August, if you can believe it. We launch on August 11th on Amazon. Uh, in the book, I write that um, someone very close to me at the time looked at me and said, Lise, you alone are enough. And I got mad. Like my first instinct was anger. And that haunts me because that was probably, gosh eight years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. And I have so much compassion for that person in that moment, like that former version of myself, because I really had no idea what she meant. Like the notion that I could be good enough 
on my own, independent of who I was married to, what kind of family I had, what kind of house I lived in, what kind of job I had, what number was in my bank account, what kind of clothes I wore. It sounds so shallow and it's also profoundly true that I had continuously, um, I was, I came from a, a, a deep place of self-loathing. And so I assumed I would never be good enough. And so I started to fill that void with things that I knew for sure were good enough by like society expectations, hundred percent, they were totally acceptable and even like overachieving, right? Beyond acceptable. But the fact remained that I wasn't good enough for myself. And as I said, when I first even heard the inkling that I might be good enough on my own or that I alone was enough, it pissed me off. And that narrative has has followed me because now the person I am today is so fascinated by not being able to realize that very human truth that you alone are enough. And as a coach, I realized it's actually not my job to convince you of that. I used to really think it was my job to convince people of that. And I took it so personally when people didn't want to work with me because I was like, oh my God, it must be something I'm doing. Now I realize that people are ready to work with me when they're ready to work with me. It's like you can't, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. I can post a beautiful Instagram feed, but I can't make you do the work. And so I really only focus on people who are ready to do the work because that's where my efforts are best spent because I'm really good at what I do. And when somebody is ready to cultivate that deep love of self and that deep inner security, when somebody's ready to wrap their head around the fact, like the fact that inner peace is genuine success, that's when I can open the door for them and invite them into this, like this world that you can't unsee, you know, this whole, this whole process is a bell you can't unring. Once you tap into the fact that you, my darling, are absolutely enough on your own and that you have everything you need inside you right now to be the person you really aspire to be the game totally changes and your relationships change. And that can be frightening for people. You know, the biggest relationship change you'll experience is the one that you have with yourself. And arguably it's the most important because guess who's there with you from the moment you're born until the moment you die. The person who's there with you for better or for worse through thick and through thin, through sickness and health, through all your accomplishments and all your failures. And they're to pick you back up after you fail it's you. And yet we spend the least amount of time investing in that relationship. Like the longest, most precious, most supportive relationship we will ever have, we spend next to no time caring for. We read all the books on how to, well, actually some of us don't do that, I guess, but you know, when we have relationship problems, we're looking for help to fix that relationship. When we have parenting problems, we're looking for help to fix that relationship. When we have problems at work, we're looking for help to fix that relationship. Did we ever stop to think that there's one common denominator? (laughs) That maybe the one person who's experiencing pain at work, pain, in intimate relationships, pain in friendships, pain in family relationships. There's one common thread, and that person is you. Does that mean you're broken or flawed? Absolutely not. It means that you are healing, and healing is not a linear process. It is a wild spiral that that unfolds in layers, 
And as we peel back one layer to heal it, we're met with another one that's suddenly ready for our attention because, you know, we've done the first level of healing. We're ready to go deeper, peel back another layer and heal that. It's such a fascinating and complex process. And there's nothing overnight about that success. There's nothing overnight about success in general, but there's there's no shortcut to feeling completely at home in yourself. One of the first steps to get there, however, is turning your attention to focusing on yourself. And that is what self-care is. One of my greatest frustrations is that I really feel like we live in this over-memed world or this like overly inspirational world where we read, you know, a beautiful and inspiring post on Instagram that's like, oh, self-care, man. And then it actually nobody has ever said, oh, self-care, man. I get that. But like we read all these quote unquote inspirational posts talking about self-care and the importance of it. And we never are actually taught what it is. And I don't know, there's something about my brain that is overly contextual and that pisses me off. So for example, when I started my own process of having this realization that like, oh shit, it's not everybody else around me that has the issue. Perhaps it's just me. Like perhaps I need this attention to go deep and to focus on who I am and what I love and, you know, what makes me me and what am I good at and what do I, what am I not so good at and how do I get comfortable with both of those things? When I started that process called self-love, um, and I, as I said, um, like started to move from this or transition between this state of deep self-loathing into a state of deep self-loving, I couldn't find any instructions as to how to get there. I saw lots of people pretending that they know what they're talking about, being like, oh, all you have to do is love yourself. Oh, all you have to do is care for yourself. Make sure you're making time for yourself and do what you love to do. I couldn't find any of like, yeah, but how do I do that? Like literally, how do I do that? So I started piecing it together and piecing it together and piecing it together and ultimately lived to tell the tale, but also wrote the book. And now... I'll link this in the show notes. It's also on my website. But now you can actually download my free ebook called A Beginner's Guide to Self-Love. And it's a great place to start because I start to break it down like step by step. Hey, if you're at that point where you're ready to even if you're even curious about what that means or what it sounds like, even if you're in that state of like self-love sounds like a load of bullshit, it sounds kind of narcissistic, um, this is perfect for you because it breaks down the steps of like what you actually need to get started on this process of coming home to yourself. Anyway, so when we talk about self-care, it's the same style of misinformation from where I sit. And I observe the, the online space very carefully. To me, it seems like there's this misnomer that people are reaching for stuff external to them and calling it self-care. And guess what? They're leaving that uh, experience feeling depleted or drained or like they have an obligation. You know, I was on a call with a client the other day and this came up in conversation once again because it comes up in many conversations with many clients. And she was talking about how like she just can't find the time to journal. It feels like a chore. She knows she's supposed to do it and she just can't do it. You know, she lives in a beautiful part of the world, but just can't find the time to go outside. And it feels like such an obligation. And it hit me that so many people have it wrong. Like we are inundated with images and messages of like, oh, self-care is so important. 
But when somebody is telling you that self-care is getting up at six, working out, making a smoothie, doing your 15 minutes of meditation, doing a 17-minute yoga practice, you know, like making a gluten-free whatever high-protein breakfast, if you are reaching for structure and your and routine in the name of self-care, oh, I'm so sorry to tell you this, but you're doing it wrong. Because what you've done is created another set of external reaches designed to make you feel good, but you're actually being sold a, sold a bill of goods. If something doesn't feel good for you, then tell me how on earth that's supposed to be the thing that is caring for you. If you know losing an hour of sleep or at the beginning or the end of the day doesn't feel good for you, why are you doing it? If you feel obligated or obliged to write in a journal or, you know, I love that people have gratitude journals, which is excellent, but if writing in your gratitude journal feels like a chore, why the hell are you doing it? If it doesn't feel good, how on earth is that caring for yourself, you know? So in that client call, we ended up talking about, and I will talk about this with anybody, what feels good for you? What is it that brings you joy? What makes you feel free? You know, so many times I have this conversation with clients and they're like, oh shit, I don't really know. And it's this real honest moment of like, I've never stopped to think about what brings me joy. And, you know, in my own life, as I told you, my business brings me joy. My family brings me joy. So shouldn't that be enough? Well, no, because it neglects. It's very important, but it neglects the person who is the common denominator in both of those things. If I'm not caring for myself and if you're not caring for yourself, but you're doing and achieving and giving and outputting and like attending to and caring for everyone else and everything else, you are headed straight for adrenal failure. You are headed straight for burnout. This isn't hyperbole. This is what is going to happen. And until you consciously have that notion that you are worthy of being taken care of by yourself. Like you don't actually have to delegate that out to anybody else. It's your responsibility to take care of you. When you have that realization that you're worthy of that, that you're deserving of that, and that you're able to meet your own needs, the game starts to shift in your favor. And suddenly you can focus on your business 100%. Do that. Focus on your family. Absolutely. Focus on your pets. Oh yes, focus on your pets. Focus on all the things that need your attention and create time to focus on you, the person. So the best tool that I can give you to, to get there, because as I say, there's, there's no real shortcut to the process. It is a process. This is a healing process. It's like coming to really love who you are and accept who you are starts with caring for yourself. So while this is not a shortcut, it's an excellent way of, of getting there. It's like the first step and on the ladder. When you're talking about caring for yourself or like really investing in self-care, we're talking about the things that really bring you joy. So sometimes people, will, sometimes, pardon me, people will be like, well, I work out and, you know, I have a daily shower or I get my nails done. It's like, 
good for you. That's like basic care of humans. That's not self-care. That's like, you know, getting your nails done is kind of just a part of being a woman sometimes. Or having a shower is like basic hygiene. Going to the gym and working out is, again, like basic care of the body. We're talking about care of the self, like the capital S self. What brings you joy? What lights you up? What makes you feel like a complete person. And the best, as I said, I'm so long-winded today. <laughs> the best shortcut to that point is to reflect back to a time in your childhood, to one memory where you just felt totally free and completely at ease. You know, think of those moments, even in your adult life, when you walk away from an experience or an interaction, you leave something feeling like you're like full body stoned. You just feel high. You feel light. You feel like you're floating away. Think of what it was that left you with that feeling. I can share with you that for me, when I flash back to when I was a kid, instantly I'm at Camp Tanamacoon and I'm walking, I'm in my little camp uniform, my hat on backwards and invariably like an embroidery floss bracelet on my wrist because it was the 90s and um, I'm just walking in the woods and I can feel that like, you know, I'm very visual, but you know, you can hear that silence of your footsteps on wood chips. I love that. Like you can hear that it is silent. Whenever I think about when I was the happiest as a kid and when I felt the most free, it's being out on that path in Algonquin Park, just walking around. And so for me now, it's like, okay, so if I need to recharge, I know exactly what I need to do. I need to get into the woods. That's why I love cottages so much because it just feels like it's total bliss and it's just the the chillest of all chill, right? Other times for me as a kid when I felt the most free was riding my bike. I had so many part-time jobs as a kid and I always biked my way there. So I was so independent and I was always just traveling by bicycle. And I remember the feeling of like putting on my backpack and hopping on my bike and away I go. So walking in the woods, being on my bike, and also for me, it's singing. You know, I sang so much as a kid and even as an adult, like with my little girls, I think I've told you in this space before, sometimes our house feels like it's its own musical. Like we write song parodies and it's, it's so awesome. Uh, so we sing a lot here and that makes me feel free. So in having this realization that I don't think I've been taking good enough care of my capital S self uh, and that I want to shift my focus back into doing that, which is why I'm sharing this here with you today. Because again, if I'm feeling this, I can guarantee hundreds of other people are feeling this too, if not more than that. For me, really dialing up the volume on self-care has meant buying a new bike. I have this little, you know, I live in this little beachfront town. So I have like a one speed um, beach cruiser, which is great. Like to bike down to the ice cream store, to bike down to the, the boardwalk with my kids. But I bought like a bike bike so that I can actually get on my bicycle and bike for kilometers at a time through the country. Now this is a new skill for me and I'm taking it slow and I'm like easing into it. And I've like, I've hit the 10 K mark, which feels amazing. The next goal is 15, but Getting on my bicycle makes me feel like a free woman. 
singing makes me feel so good that um, when I <laughs> when I first got divorced, I was like, I'm going to do all the things I've never done before. So one of those things that is that I'm going to buy a guitar because I am so attracted to musicians and I am so attracted. Really, I'm attracted to like finance guys who play guitar. Um, but I'm so attracted to like men who are into music that I am just going to cultivate that quality in myself so I can better meet my own needs and really start to show up as the partner that I want as myself. So I bought this guitar. I booked myself in for some lessons. I even booked a gig because I was like, well, I'm going to go full throttle into this. And I realized a few lessons in learning how to play guitar is really hard. I canceled the gig. I quit guitar lessons and I started just using like YouTube instruction and just really like learning a few basic chords and then figuring out which songs I could play, knowing the five chords that I know. Anyway, life happened. My business got busier. I got cancer. My girls were growing up. Like all this shit was happening around me. And I just, I put the guitar away. I always had it out on display in my dining room, but I never, ever played. It's like such a douchey thing to do. But I was like, the guitar was like such a symbol of what I wanted in my life. And I just hadn't created space to do it. So how did I solve this problem? I was like, what am I doing? Like the, the guitar is here and I know how to play these chords. So I had the car, guitar restrung, I retuned it. And I just diligently now, I take about 10 or 15 minutes to play. My kids and I often like to go to the beach after dinner. And so I don't want to go in the water. I want to just sit beside the water. So they go in the water. We maybe bring a picnic or some snacks and I bring my like amazing Mexican blanket. And now I sit there and instead of just watching them, I watch them while I'm practicing. It feels so good. And it feels like such an incredible example that like I'm playing guitar. I, I suck. Like I don't think I told you that. I suck at guitar. Again, I know like four chords so I can play a few songs. But with no like with no um no goodness in there. I'm not good at guitar by any means. And I don't care. It feels so good just to be able to accompany myself and sing along. And as I said, I love sharing that joy with my kids that, hey, I have no intention of becoming like the world's preeminent guitar player. I have no intention of playing in public. What I do love is that how how, what a sense of accomplishment that gives me, like in my capital S self. Music nourishes my soul and playing guitar, even though I'm not great at it, makes me feel like an actual rock star. It makes me feel so proud. That's how I know I'm taking care of myself. You know, hopping on my bike with no intention of being the fastest or winning a race or like being in a marathon or anything. Just riding for the pure sake of pleasure makes me feel so good. I know that I'm taking care of myself. You know, I could go, I could give you a whole list. Reading for pleasure, not reading for self-help, but like I do that too, but reading for pleasure because it feels good. Like reading a fiction book, it feels good to do that. And so I do more of that. You know, the other night, um, this was so awesome, uh, I didn't have my kids and I decided that I was going to like just have a really beautiful like solo date night in. And so I put on Billy Jewel and I'm making en enchiladas in the kitchen. And, you know, I found this gin alternative called Sobri and I'm like making, I invented this new cocktail, which is like a, a, a rose lemonade mule with this, al this gin alternative. And I'm just like loving my life. I've got candles lit. I'm dancing around. I'm making dinner. And I was like, oh my 
God. This feels so good. So all of that to say, if you just allow yourself to pause, like press pause on your life right now and just ask yourself, what makes me feel good? What brings me joy? What makes me feel free or what made me feel free? Once you get the answer, the next answer is very simple. You just do more of that. Whatever brings you joy, whatever makes you feel like yourself, whatever makes you feel whole, you do more of that. Here's the really beautiful thing about learning this method of self-care, not the method that tells you you will not be enough until you drink a bulletproof coffee and a green smoothie and you work out for 45 minutes every third day and then do cardio every day after that. No, I'm sorry. I don't think that's right. I think that is actually self-sabotaging and I think it's detrimental to limit yourself to that routine. Trust me, if you love green smoothies and you love working out at the gym, that is going to be a part of your self-care for sure. If it brings you joy and makes you feel good and whole, you do it because you love it. But this, and same thing, if you love journaling, journal, like it's an excellent thing to do. It's so cathartic. But if you feel bound by the self-care regimen that you've created, it's not actually caring or loving in any way. Imagine your parents sat you down. They're like, hey, you, we love you. Sit down and drink this smoothie. Great. Now work out for 45 minutes. Okay, now drink this. I know you love coffee, but drink this bulletproof coffee instead. Like, imagine somebody was forcing this on you. You'd be like, what am I doing? If, if you feel like you have to do it, you're not taking care of yourself. You're just doing something out of obligation. And I can almost guarantee you, you have enough obligation in your life. It's time to just turn up the volume on stuff that makes you feel like really good. So as I was saying, when you do that, when you turn up the volume on what makes you feel really good and you really focus that attention back on who you are as a person and what that person really needs to feel good and whole, what that inner child is calling for, when you do that and you really start caring for yourself, it's like you've taken a bike pump and you've inflated this sense of wholeness where there used to be that void of not feeling enough. When you start to invest these efforts in yourself in even if that if those efforts mean like learning who you are. You know, a lot of people come to me for coaching because they're just like I I don't even know why I need to work with you, but I know that I need to work with you. I know that there's like a next level of my life and I I've hit a wall I can't get there on my own. This is the same thing. It's like you take this bike pump and you just start inflating this sense of wholeness from within. And in coaching, that's kind of my job is that I don't do that for you. Like reaching, it's not, it's not reaching for coaching. It's looking for a guide or a facilitator or a mentor who shows you the way, who shows you or helps you navigate that process. And that process, as I said, it takes this emptiness or this loneliness or this sense of like, oh my God, what is wrong with me? Why do I feel so broken? How come nothing ever feels enough for me? How am I 42 years old and I haven't figured this out yet? It takes all those feelings and it teaches you how to create that, God, that um, un, uh, immeasurable quality and that immeasurable sense of enoughness. And when you really amp it up, this like care of who you are, realizing who you are and caring for that person, 
everything starts to feel like it's more in flow. Again, as a personal example, I love my business. I love it. I love the work that I do. And I think it goes without saying, I love my family. I love being with my girls, right? I love it. When I am consciously taking care of myself, I don't know how it's possible, but I love my business and I love my family more because when my baseline needs are met without condition, everything, every other role that I play gets better. So all of that to say, when you start to really care for who you are and you really start to nourish your soul at a very core level, you get this enhanced sense that you alone are enough. And when you are enough for you, all these other pieces in your life that feel kind of out of whack magically start to self-sort. Uh, when you self-soothe, they start to self-sort and it gets easier and easier. So think on that. I tend to think that this message is like in opposition to everything else everyone else is talking about with self-care. So if you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me um, directly. My website is in the show notes. As I said, a great place to start is this resource that I've created called A Beginner's Guide to Self-Love. It has lots of tips in it and it's it's just so good and it's free. So head on over to lisablecox.com and just check it out. Um, otherwise... I hope you're doing really well. I hope this has given you some food for thought and that it really gives you a moment to really just pause and self-reflect on what you're doing or maybe what needs a little bit of your attention. Our feelings are just feedback and that feedback gives us these incredible insights as to what still needs to be healed. So if you relate to any of those feelings of like, I feel like something's missing. I feel like I've done everything right and it just doesn't feel like enough. How am I, you know, in my 40s and I still haven't figured this out yet? Yeah, it's because you're human. <laughs> it's because there's ten, there tends to be just this like deficit of caring for and loving who we are that we're never, ever, ever taught. Um, I can help you with that. I can teach you that and I can like really facilitate that process to make it easier and more pleasurable for you so that life gets easier and more manageable and more pleasurable for you. So you know where to find me, elisewilcox.com, or you can even just send me an email at least at gmail.com. Chat soon. learn from the past, prepare for your future, but ultimately you have to live in the now. It's fascinating when you just focus on, you know, imagining what the highest version of yourself would do. And then you start to act as if you already are that person. You can watch it transform your behavior right now. We did it. <laughs> Let's go get some tacos.